Section 22, Volume 1 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Calm Dragon. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Section 22 The Barber's Tale of Himself. I was living in Baghdad during the times of Al-Mustansir Balah, son of Al-Mustazi Balah, then the Caliph, a prince who loved the poor and needy, and companied with the learned and pious. One day it happened to him that he was wroth with ten persons, highwaymen who robbed on the Caliph's highway, and he ordered the prefect of Baghdad to bring them into the presence on the anniversary of the great festival. So the prefect sallied out and, making them as prisoners, embarked with them in a boat. I caught sight of them as they were embarking, and said to myself, These are surely assembled for a marriage feast. Methinks they are spending their day in the boat eating and drinking, and none shall be companion of their cups but I and myself. So I rose, O oh, fairly assembled, and, of the excess of my courtesy and the gravity of my misunderstanding, I embarked with them and entered into conversation with them. They rowed across to the opposite bank, where they landed, and there came upon the watch and the guardians of the peace with chains, which they put round the robbers' necks. They chained me among the rest of them, and, O oh people, it is not a proof of my courtesy and spareness of speech that I held my peace and did not please to speak? Then they took us away in bilbos, and next morning carried us all before Al-Mustansir Bilah, commander of the faithful, who bade smite the necks of the ten robbers. So the sworder came forward, after they were seated on the leather of blood, then drawing his blade, struck off one head after another until he had smitten the neck of the tenth, and I alone remained. The caliph looked at me, and asked the headsman, saying, What ails thee that thou hast struck off only nine heads? And he answered, Allah forbid that I should behead only nine, when thou biddest me behead ten, quoth the caliph. Meseems thou hast smitten the necks of only nine, and this man before thee is the tenth. By thy beneficeness, replied the headsman, I have beheaded ten. Count them, cried the caliph, and when as they counted heads, lo, there were ten. The caliph looked at me and said, What made thee keep silence at a time like this, and how camest thou to company with these men of blood? Tell me the cause of all this, for I'll bet thou art a very old man, assuredly thy wits are weak. Now when I heard these words from the caliph, I sprang to my feet and replied, Know, O Prince of the Faithful, that I am the silent Sheikh, and am thus called to distinguish me from my six brothers. I am a man of immense learning, whilst, as for the gravity of my understanding, the wildness of my wits, and the spareness of my speech, there is no end of them, and my calling is that of a barber. I went out early on yesterday morning, and saw these men making for a skiff, and, fancying they were bound for a marriage feast, I joined them and mixed with them. After a while up came the watch and the guardians of the peace, who put chains round their necks and round mine with the rest, but, in the excess of my courtesy, I held my peace and spake not a word, nor was this other but generosity on my part. They brought us into thy presence, and thou gavest an order to smite the necks of the ten, yet did I not make myself known to thee and remain silent before the sorter, purely of my great generosity and courtesy which led me to share with them in their death. But all my life long have I dealt thus nobly with mankind, and they requite me the foulest and evilest requital. When the caliph heard my words, and knew that I was a man of exceeding generosity and of very few words, one in which is no forwardness, 
as this youth who would have it, whom I rescued from mortal risk, and who hath so scurvily repaid me. He laughed with excessive laughter till he fell upon his back. Then said he to me, O silent man, do thy six brothers favor thee in wisdom and knowledge, and spareness of speech? I replied, Never were they like me. Thou puttest reproach upon me, O commander of the faithful, and it becomes thee not to even my brothers with me. For, of the abundance of their speech, and their deficiency of courtesy and gravity, each one of them hath gotten some maim or other. One is monocular, another palsied, a third stone blind, a fourth cropped of ears and nose, and a fifth shorn of both lips, while the sixth is a hunchback and a cripple. And conceive not, O commander of the faithful, that I am a prodigal of speech, but I must perforce explain to thee that I am a man of greater worth and fewer words than any of them. From each one of my brothers hangs a tale of how he came by his bodily defect, and these I will relate to thee. So the caliph gave ear to the barber's tale of his first brother. Then know, O commander of the faithful, that my first brother Al-Bakbuk, the prattler, is a hunchback who took to tailoring in Baghdad, and he used to sew in a shop hired from a man of much wealth, who dwelt over the shop, and there was also a flour mill in the basement. One day, as my brother, the hunchback, was sitting in his shop a-tailoring, he chanced to raise his head and saw a lady like the rising full moon at a balconied window of his landlord's house, engaged in looking out at the passers-by. When my brother beheld her, his heart was taken with love of her, and he passed his whole day gazing at her and neglected his tailoring till eventide. Next morning he opened his shop and sat him down to sew, but, as often as he stitched a stitch, he looked to the window and saw her as before, and his passion and infatuation for her increased. On the third day, as he was sitting in his usual place gazing on her, she caught sight of him and, perceiving that he had been captivated with love of her, laughed in his face, and he smiled back at her. Then she disappeared and presently sent her slave-girl to him with a bundle containing a piece of red coward silk. The handmaiden accosted him and said, My lady salameth to thee, and desireth thee of thy skill and good will, to fashion for her a shift of this piece, and to sew it handsomely with thy best sewing. He replied, Hearkening and obedience, and shaped for her a chemise, and finished sewing it the same day. When the morning morrowed, the girl came back and said to him, My lady Salameth to thee, and asks how thou hast passed yesternight, for she hath not tasted sleep by reason of her heart being taken up with thee. Then she laid before him a piece of yellow satin, and said, My lady biddeth thee cut her two pair of petticoat trousers out of this piece, and sew them this very day. Hearkening and obedience, replied he, Greet her for me with many greetings, and say to her, Thy slave is obedient to thine order, so command him as thou wilt. Then he applied himself to cutting out and worked hard at sewing the trousers. And after an hour the lady appeared at the lattice and saluted him by signs, now casting down her eyes, then smiling in his face, and he began to assure himself that he would soon make a conquest. She did not let him stir till he had finished the two pair of trousers, when she withdrew and sent the handmaiden to whom he delivered them, and she took them and went her ways. When it was night, he threw himself on his carpet-bed, and lay tossing about from side to side till morning, when he rose and sat down in his place. Presently the damsel came to him and said, My master calleth for thee. 
Hearing these words, he feared with exceeding fear. But the slave girl, seeing his affright, said to him, No evil is meant to thee. Not but good awaiteth thee. My lady would have thee make acquaintance with my lord. So my brother the tailor, rejoicing with great joy, went with her. And when he came into the presence of his landlord, the lady's husband, he kissed the ground before him. And the master of the house returned his greeting and gave him a great piece of linen, saying, Shape me shirts out of this stuff and sew them well. And my brother answered, To hear is to obey. Thereupon he fell at work at once, snipping, shaping, and sewing till he had finished twenty shirts by supper time, without stopping to taste food. The housemaster asked him, How much the wage for this? And he answered, Twenty dirhams. So the gentleman cried to the slave girl, Bring me twenty dirhams. And my brother spake not a word, but the lady signed, Take nothing from him. Whereupon my brother said, By Allah, I will take naught from thy hand. And he carried off his tailor's gear and returned to his shop, although he was destitute even to a red cent. Then he applied himself to do their work, eating in his zeal and diligence, but a bit of bread and drinking only a little water for three days. At the end of this time came the handmaid who said to him, What hast thou done? Quoth he, They are finished, and carried the shirts to the lady's husbands, who would have paid him for his hire. But he said, I will take nothing for the fear of her, and, returning to his shop, passed the night without sleep because of his hunger. Now the dame had informed her husband how the case stood, my brother knowing not of this, and the two had agreed to make him tailor for nothing, the better to mock and laugh at him. Next morning he went to his shop, and, as he sat there, the handmaid came to him and said, Speak with my master. So he accompanied her to the husband, who said to him, I wish thee to cut out for me five long-sleeved robes. So he cut them out and took the stuff and went away. Then he sewed them and carried them to the gentleman, who praised his sewing and offered him a purse of silver. He put out his hand to take it, but the lady signed to him from behind her husband not to do so, and he replied, O oh, my lord, there is no hurry. We have time enough for this. Then he went forth from the house meaner and meeker than a donkey. For verily five things were gathered together in him, love, beggary, hunger, nakedness, and hard labor. Nevertheless, he heartened himself with the hope of gaining the lady's favors. When he had made an end of all their jobs, they played him another trick and married him to their slave girl. But on the night when he thought to go into her, they said to him, Lie this night in the mill, and tomorrow all will go well. My brother concluded that there was some good cause for this, and nighted alone in the mill. Now the husband had set on the miller to make the tailor turn the mill. So when night was half spent, the man came in to him and began to say, This bull of ours hath become useless and standeth still, instead of going round. He will not turn the mill this night, and yet we have great store of corn to be ground. However, I'll yoke him perforce, and make him finish grinding it before morning as the folk are impatient for their flour. So he filled the hoppers with grain, and, going up to my brother with a rope in his hand, tied it round his neck and said to him, Gee up, round with the mill, thou, O bull, wouldst do nothing but grub and stale and dung? Then he took a whip and laid it on the shoulders and calves of my brother, who began to howl and bellow, but none came to help him, and he was forced to grind the wheat till hard upon dawn. When the housemaster came in and, 
seeing my brother still tethered to the yoke and the men flogging him, went away. At daybreak the miller returned home and left him still yoked and half dead, and soon after came the slave girl who unbound him, and said to him, I and my lady are right sorry for what hath happened, and we have borne thy grief with thee. But he had no tongue wherewith to answer her from excess of beating and mill-turning. Then he retired to his lodging, and behold, the clerk who had drawn up the marriage-deed came to him and saluted him, saying, Allah give thee long life, may thy espousal be blessed. This face telleth of pleasant doings and dalliance and kissing and clipping from dusk to dawn. Allah grant the liar no peace, or thou thousandfold cuckold, my brother replied. By Allah I did nothing but turn the mill in the place of the bull all night till morning. Tell me thy tale, quoth he, and my brother recounted what had befallen him, and he said, Thy star agrees not with her star, but in thou wilt I can alter the contract for thee, abiding, where lest another cheat be not in store for thee. And my brother answered him, See if thou have not another contrivance. Then the clerk left him, and he sat in his shop looking for someone to bring him a job whereby he might earn his day's bread. Presently the handmaid came to him and said, Speak with my lady. Begone, O my good girl, replied he. There shall be no more dealings with me and thy lady. The handmaid returned to her mistress and told her what my brother had said, and presently she put her head out of the window, weeping and saying, Why, O my beloved, are there to be no more dealings twixt me and thee? But he made her no answer. Then she wept and conjured him, swearing that all which had befallen him in the mill was not sanctioned by her, and that she was innocent of the whole matter. When he looked upon her beauty and loveliness, and heard the sweetness of her speech, the sorrow which had possessed him passed from his heart. He accepted her excuse, and he rejoiced in her sight. So he saluted her and talked with her and sat tailoring a while, after which the handmaid came to him and said, my mistress greeteth thee and informeth thee that her husband purposed to lie abroad this night in the house of some intimate friends of his. So, when he is gone, do thou come to us and spend the night with my lady in delight most joyance till the morning? Now her husband had asked her, How shall we manage to turn him away from thee? And she answered, Leave me to play him another trick and make him a laughing stock for all the town. But my brother knew not of the malice of women. As soon as it was dusk, the slave girl came to him and carried him to the house, and when the lady saw him, she said to him, By Allah, O my lord, I have been longing exceedingly for thee. By Allah, cried he, kiss me quick before thou give me aught else. Hardly had he spoken when the lady's husband came in from the next room and seized him, saying, By Allah, I will not let thee go till I deliver thee to the chief of the town watch. My brother humbled himself to him, but he would not listen to him, and carried him before the prefect who gave him a hundred lashes with a whip, and mounting him on a camel, promenaded him around the city, whilst the gars proclaimed aloud, This is his reward who violate the harems of honorable men. Moreover, he fell off the camel and broke his leg, and so became lame. Then the prefect banished him from the city, and he went forth unknowing whither he should wend. But I heard of him, and fearing for him, went out after him, and brought him back secretly to the city, and restored him to health, and took him into my house, where he still liveth. The caliph laughed at my story, and said, Thou hast done well, O Summit, O silent man, O spare of speech. And he bade me to take a prison and go away. 
But I said, I will accept not of thee except I tell thee what befell all my other brothers, and do not think me a man of many words. So the Caliph gave ear to the barber's tale of his second brother. Know, O commander of the faithful, that my second brother's name was Al-Hadar, that is, the babbler, and he was paralytic. Now it happened to him one day, as he was going about his business, that an old woman accosted him and said, Stop a little, my good man, that I may tell thee of somewhat which, if it be to thy liking, thou shalt do for me, and I will pray Allah to give thee good of it. My brother stopped, and she went on, I will put thee in the way of a certain thing, so thou not be prodigal of speech. On with thy talk, quoth he, and she, What sayeth thou to handsome quarters, and a fair garden with flowering waters, flowers blooming, and fruit growing, and old wine going, and a pretty young face whose owner thou mayest embrace from dark till dawn? If thou do whatso I bid thee, thou shalt see something greatly to thy advantage. And is all this in the world? asked my brother. And she answered, Yes, and it shall be thine, so thou be reasonable, and leave idle curiosity and many words, and do my bidding. I will indeed, O my lady, said he. How is it thou hast preferred me in this manner before all men? And what is it that so much pleaseth thee in me? Quoth she, Did I not bid thee be spare of speech? Hold thy peace and follow me. Know that the young lady to whom I shall carry thee loveth to have her own way, and hateth being thwarted, and all who gainsay. So, if thou humour her, thou shalt come to thy desire of her. And my brother said, I will not cross her in anything. Then she went on, and my brother followed her, and hungering after what she described to him till they entered a fine large house, handsome and choicely furnished, full of eunuchs and servants, and showing signs of prosperity from top to bottom. And she was carrying him to the upper story, when the people of the house said to him, What dost thou here? But the old woman answered them, Hold your peace, and trouble him not. He is a workman, and we have occasion for him. Then she brought him into a fine great pavilion with a garden in its midst. Never I saw a fairer, and made him sit upon a handsome couch. He had not sat long, before he heard a loud noise, and in came a troop of slave girls surrounding a lady, like the moon on the night of its fullest. When he saw her, he rose up and made an obeisance to her, whereupon she welcomed him and bade him be seated. So he sat down, and she said to him, Allah advance thee to honor. Is all well with thee? O oh, my lady, he answered, all with me is right well. Then she bade bring in food, and they set before her delicate viands. So she sat down to eat, making a show of affection to my brother and jesting with him, though all the while she could not refrain from laughing. But as often as he looked at her, she signed towards her handmaidens, as though she were laughing at them. My brother, the ass, understood nothing, but in the excess of his ridiculous passion, he fancied that the lady was in love with him, and that she would soon grant him his desire. When they had done eating, they set on the wine, and there came in ten maidens like moons, with lutes ready strung in their hands, and fell to singing with full voices, sweet and sad, whereupon delight got hold upon him, and he took the cup from the lady's hands and drank it standing. Then she drank a cup of wine, and my brother, still standing, said to her, Health, and bowed to her. She handed him another cup, and he drank it off, 
when she slapped him hard on the nape of his neck. Upon this my brother would have gone out of the house in anger, but the old woman followed him and winked to him to return. So he came back, and the lady bade him sit, and he sat down without a word. Then she slapped him on the nape of his neck, and the second slapping did not suffice her. She must needs make all her handmaidens also slap and cuff him, while he kept saying to the old woman, I never saw aught nicer than this. She on her side ceased not exclaiming, Enough, enough, I conjure thee, O my mistress. But the woman slapped him till he well nigh swooned away. Presently my brother rose and went out to obey a call of nature. But the old woman overtook him and said, Be patient a little, and thou shalt win to thy wish. How much longer have I to wait, my brother replied. This slapping hath made me feel faint. As soon as she is warm with wine, answered she, thou shalt have thy desire. So he returned to his place and sat down, whereupon all the handmaidens stood up, and the lady bade them perfume him with pastiles and besprinkle his face with rose-water. Then said she to him, Allah advance thee to honor. Thou hast entered my house, and hast borne with my conditions. For whoso thwarteth me, I turn him away, and whoso is patient hath his desire. O mistress mine, said he, I am thy slave, and in the hollow of thine hand. Know then, continued she, that Allah hath made me passionately fond of frolic, and whoso falleth in my humor cometh by whatso he wisheth. Then she ordered her maidens to sing with loud voices till the whole company was delighted, after which she said to one of them, Take thy lord, and do what is needful for him, and bring him back to me forthright. So the damsel took my brother, and he not knowing what she would do with him. But the old woman overtook him, and said, Be patient, there remaineth but little to do. At this his face brightened, and he stood up before the lady, while the old woman kept saying, Be patient, thou wilt now at once win to thy wish. Till he said, Tell me what she would have the maiden do with me. Nothing but good, replied she, as I am thy sacrifice. She wisheth only to dye thy eyebrows, and plug out thy mustachios. Quoth he, As for the dyeing of my eyebrows, that will come off with washing. But for the plucking out of my mustachios, that indeed is a somewhat painful process. Be cautious how thou cross her, cried the old woman, for she hath set her heart on thee. So my brother patiently suffered her to dye his eyebrows, and pluck out his mustachios, after which the maiden returned to her mistress and told her. Quoth she, Remaineth now only one other thing to be done. Thou must shave his beard and make him a smooth of face. So the maiden went back and told him what her mistress had bidden her do. And my brother, the blockhead, said to her, How shall I do what will disgrace me before the folk? But the old woman said, She would do on this wise only that thou mayest be as beardless youth, and that no hair be left on thy face to scratch and prick her delicate cheeks. For indeed she is passionately in love with thee. So be patient, and thou shalt attain thine object. My brother was patient, and did her bidding, and let shave off his beard, and, when he was brought back to the lady, lo, he appeared dyed red as to his eyebrows, plucked of both mustachios, shorn of his beard, rouged on both cheeks. At first she was affrighted at him. Then she made mockery of him, and, laughing till she fell upon her back, said, O oh, my lord, Thou hast indeed won my heart by thy good nature. Then she conjured him, by her life, to stand up and dance, and he arose and capered about, and there was not a cushion in the house, 
but she threw it at his head, and in like manner did all her women, who also kept pelting him with oranges and lemons and citrons till he fell down senseless from the cuffing on the nape of the neck, the pillowing and the fruit pelting. Now thou hast attained thy wish, said the old woman when he came round. There are no more blows in store for thee, and there remaineth but one little thing to do. It is her wont, when she is in her cups, to let no one have her until she put off her dress and trousers and remain stark naked. Then she will bid thee doff thy clothes and run, and she will run before thee as if she were flying from thee, and do thou follow her from place to place, till thy prickle stands at fullest point, when she will yield to thee, adding, Strip off thy clothes at once. So he rose, well nigh lost in ecstasy, and doffing his raiment, showed himself mother naked. And Shahrazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say when it was the thirty-second night. She said, It had reached me, O auspicious king, that when the old woman said to the barber's second brother, Doff thy clothes, he rose well nigh lost in ecstasy, and stripping off his raiment, showed himself mother naked. Whereupon the lady stripped also, and said to my brother, If thou want anything, run after me till thou catch me. Then she set out at a run, and he ran after her while she rushed into room after room and rushed out of room after room, my brother scampering after her in a rage of desire like a veritable madman, with yard standing terribly tall. After much of this kind she dashed into a darkened place, and he dashed after her, but suddenly he trod upon a yielding spot, which gave way under his weight, and, before he was aware where he was, he found himself in the midst of a crowded market part of the bazaar of the leather sellers, who were crying the prices of skins and hides and buying and selling. When they saw him in his plight, naked, with standing yard, shorn of beard and mustachios, with eyebrows dyed red, and cheeks ruddied with rouge, they shouted and clapped their hands at him, and set to flogging him with skins upon his bare body, till a swoon came over him. Then they threw him on the back of an ass and carried him to the chief of police. Quoth the chief, What is this? Quoth they, This fellow fell suddenly upon us out of the wazir's house in this state. So the prefect gave him a hundred lashes, and then banished him from Baghdad. However, I went out after him, and brought him back secretly into the city, and made him a daily allowance for his living. Although, were it not for my generous humor, I could not have put up with the like of him. Then the caliph gave ear to the barber's tale of his third brother. My third brother's name was Al-Fakik, the gabbler, who was blind. One day fate and fortune drove him to a fine large house, and he knocked at the door, desiring speech of its owner that he might beg somewhat of him. Quoth the master of the house, Who is at the door? But my brother spake not a word, and presently he heard him repeat with a loud voice, Who is this? Still he made no answer, and immediately heard the master walk to the door, and open it and say, What dost thou want? My brother answered, Something for Allah Almighty's sake. Art thou blind? asked the man, and my brother answered, Yes, quoth the other. Stretch me out thy hand. So my brother put out his hand, and thinking that he would give him something, but he took it, and, drawing him into the house, carried him up from stair to stair, till they reached the terrace on the housetop, my brother thinking the while that he would surely give him something of food or money. Then he asked my brother, What dost thou want, O blind man? And he answered, Something for Almighty's sake. Allah open for thee some other door. O thou, why not say so when I was below stairs? O Kadjer, 
why not answer me when I first call to thee? And what meanest thou to do for me now? There is nothing in the house to give thee. Then take me down the stair. The path is before thee. So my brother rose and made his way downstairs till he came within twenty steps of the door, when his foot slipped and he rolled to the bottom and broke his head. Then he went out, unknowing whither to turn, and presently fell in with two other blind men, companions of his, who said to him, What dost thou gain today? He told them what had befallen him, and added, O oh, my brothers, I wish to take some of the money in my hands, and provide myself with it. Now the master of the house had followed him and was listening to what they said, but neither my brother nor his comrades knew of this. So my brother went to his lodging and sat down to await his companions, and the house owner entered after him without being perceived. When the other blind men arrived, my brother said to them, Bolt the door and search the house, lest any stranger have followed us. The man, hearing this, caught hold of a cord that hung from the ceiling, and clung to it, whilst they went round about the house and searched but found no one. So they came back, and sitting beside my brother, brought out their money which they counted, and lo, it was twelve thousand dirhams. Each took what he wanted, and they buried the rest in a corner of the room. Then they set on food and sat down to eat. Presently my brother, hearing a strange pair of jaws munching by his side, said to his friends, There is a stranger among us, and putting forth his hand caught hold of that of the house-master. Thereupon all fell on him and beat him, and when tired of belaboring him they shouted, O ye Moslems, a thief has come in to us, seeking to take our money. A crowd gathered around them, whereupon the intruder hung on to them, and complained with them as they complained, and, shutting his eyes like them, so that none might doubt his blindness, cried out, O Muslims, I take refuge with Allah and the governor, for I have a matter to make known to him. Suddenly up came the watch, and laying hands on the lot, my brother being amongst them, drove them to the governors, who set them before him, and asked, What news with you? Quoth the intruder, Look and find out for thyself. Not a word shall be wrung from us save by torture. So begun by beating me, and after me beat this man our leader. And he pointed to my brother. So they threw the man at full length, and gave him four hundred sticks on his backside. The beating pained him, whereupon he opened one eye, and as they redoubled their blows, he opened the other eye. When the governor saw this, he said to him, What have we here, O accursed? Whereto he replied, Give me the seal ring of pardon. We four have sham blind, and we impose upon people that we may enter houses and look upon the unveiled faces of the women and contrive for their corruption. In this way we have gotten great pain, and our store amounts to twelve thousand dirhams. So I said to my company, Give me my share, three thousand. But they rose and beat me, and took away my money, and I seek refuge with Allah and with thee. Better thou have my share than they. So, if thou wouldst note the truth of my words, beat one and every one of the others more than thou hast beaten me, and he will surely open his eyes. The governor gave orders for the question to begin with my brother, and they bound him to the whipping post, and the governor said, O scum of the earth, do ye abuse the gracious gifts of Allah, and make as if ye were blind? Allah, Allah, cried my brother, by Allah there is none among us who can see. Then they beat him till he swooned away, and the governor cried, Leave him till he come to, and then beat him again. After this he caused each of the companions to receive more than three hundred sticks. Whilst the sham Abraham kept saying to them, Open your eyes, or you will be beaten afresh. At last the men said to the governor, Dispatch someone with me to bring thee the money, 
for these fellows will not open their eyes, lest they incur disgrace before the folk. So the governor sent to fetch the money, and gave the man his pretended share, three thousand dirhams, and, keeping the rest for himself, banished the three blind men from the city. But I, O commander of the faithful, went out, and overtaking my brother, questioned him of his case, whereupon he told me of what I have told thee. So I brought him secretly into the city, and appointed him in the strictest privacy, an allowance for meat and drink. The caliph laughed at my story, and said, Give him a gift, and let him go. But I said, By Allah, I will take not till I have made known to the commander of the faithful what came to pass with the rest of my brothers, for truly I am a man of few words and spare of speech. Then the caliph gave ear to the barber's tale of his fourth brother. Now, as for my fourth brother, O commander of the faithful, Al-Koz al-Swani, or the long-necked guglet height, from his brimming over with words, the same one who was blind of one eye, he became a butcher in Baghdad, and he sold flesh and fattened rams, and great men and rich bought their meat of him, so that he amassed much wealth, and he got him cattle and houses. He fared thus a long while, till one day, as he was sitting in his shop, there came up an old man, and long of the beard, who laid down some silver and said, Give me meat for this. He gave him his money's worth of flesh, and the oldster went his ways. My brother examined the sheikh's silver, and, seeing that the dirhams were white and bright, he set them in a place apart. The greybeard continued to return to the shop regularly for five months, and my brother ceased not to lay up all the coin he received from him in its own box. At last he thought to take out the money to buy sheep. So he opened the box and found it nothing save bits of white paper cut round to look like coin. So he buffeted his face and cried aloud till the folk gathered about him, whereupon he told him his tale which made them marvel exceedingly. Then he rose as was his wont, and slaughtering a ram hung it up inside his shop after which he cut off some of the flesh, and hanging it outside kept saying to himself, O oh Allah, would the ill-omened old fellow but come, and an hour had not passed before the sheikh came with his silver in hand, whereupon my brother rose and got hold of him, calling out, Come hate me, old Muslims, and learn my story with this villain. When the old man heard this, he quietly said to him, Which will be the better for thee? to let go of me, or to be disgraced by me amidst the folk. In what wilt thou disgrace me? In that thou sellest man's flesh for mutton. Thou liest, thou accursed. Nay, he is the accursed, who hath a man hanging up by way of meat in his shop. If the matter be as thou sayest, I give thee lawful leave to take my money and my life. Then the old man cried aloud, O oh, ye people, if you would prove the truth of my words, Enter this man's shop. The folk rushed in and found that the ram was become a dead man hung up for sale. So they set upon my brother, crying out, O infidel, O villain! And his best friends fell to cuffing and kicking him, and kept saying, Dost thou make us eat flesh of the sons of Adam? Furthermore the old man struck him on the eye and put it out. Then they carried the carcass with the throat cut before the chief of the city watch, to whom the old man said, O Emir, this fellow butchers men, and sells their flesh for mutton, and we have brought him to thee. So arise and execute the judgments of Allah, to whom be honor and glory. 
my brother would have defended himself but the chief refused to hear him and sentenced him to receive five hundred sticks and to forfeit the whole of his property and indeed had it not been for that same property which he expended in bribes they would have surely slain him then the chief banished him from baghdad and my brother fared forth at a venture till he came to a great town where he thought it best to set up as a cobbler so he opened a shop and sat there doing what he could for his livelihood one day as he went forth on his business he heard the distant tramp of horses and asking the cause was told that the king was going out to hunt and course so my brother stopped to look at the fine suite it so fortuned that the king's eye met my brother's whereupon the king hung down his head and said i seek refuge with allah from the evil of this day and turned the reins of his steed and returned home with all his retinue then he gave orders to his guards who seized my brother and beat him with a beating so painful that he was well nigh dead and my brother knew not what could be the cause of his maltreatment after which he returned to his place in sorriest plight soon afterwards he went to one of the king's household and related what happened to him and the man laughed till he fell upon his back and cried o oh, brother mine know that the king cannot bear to look at a monocular especially if he be blind of the right eye in which case he doth not let him go without killing him when my brother heard this he resolved to fly from that city so he went forth from it to another wherein no one knew him and there he abode a long while one day being full of sorrowful thought for what had befallen him he sallied out to solace himself and as he was walking along he heard the distant tramp of horses behind him and said the judgment of allah is upon me and looked about for a hiding place but found none at last he saw a closed door which he pushed hard it yielded and he entered a long gallery in which he took refuge but hardly had he done so when two men set upon him crying out allah be thanked for having delivered thee into our hands o enemy of god these three nights thou hast robbed us of our rest and sleep and verily thou hast made us taste of the death-cup my brother asked o folk what ails you and they answered thou givest us the change and goest about to disgrace us and plannest some plot to cut the throat of the house-master it is not enough that thou hast brought him to beggary thou and thy fellows but now give us up the knife wherewith thou threatenest us every night then they searched him and found in his waist-belt the knife used for his shoe-leather and he said o people have the fear of allah before your eyes and maltreat me not for know that my story is a right strange and what is thy story said they so he told them what had befallen him and hoping they would let him go however they paid no heed to what he said and instead of showing him some regard beat him grievously and tore off his clothes then finding on his sides the scars of beating with rods they said o oh, accursed these marks are the manifest signs of thy guilt they carried him before the governor whilst he said to himself I am now punished for my sins, and none can deliver me save Allah Almighty. The governor addressing my brother asked him, O villain, what led thee to enter their house and with intention to murder? And my brother answered, I conjure thee by Allah, O emir, hear my words, and be not hasty in condemning me. But the governor cried, Shall we listen to the words of a robber who hath beggared these people, and who bereth on his back the scar of his stripes? Adding, they surely had not done this to thee save for some great crime so he sentenced him to receive an hundred cuts with the scourge 
after which they set him on a camel and paraded him about the city proclaiming this is the requital and only too little to requite him who breaketh into people's houses then they thrust him out of the city and my brother wandered at random till i heard what had befallen him and going in search of him questioned him of his case so he acquainted me with his story and all his mischances and i carried him secretly to the city where i gave him an allowance for his meat and drink then the caliph gave ear to the barber's tale of his fifth brother End of section 22 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night Recording by CalmDragon.net